Welcome, everyone, to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Botcher. Terrific. Dave, I am super excited to share our story this week of Jim Corbett and his hunt for the Champawat Tigress. Ooh, and, the champ. Yeah, you keep referring it to as that. Sure, we'll go with it. Uh, things are going to be a little different. In this episode, the the whole episode is going to be one singular story, and we haven't done that before. But okay. uh, believe me, there is plenty of meat on this to make it one episode, a whole episode on one story. But I I almost made it two a part a two parter, but Gee. I decided I decided against it. But so we're gonna we got quite the story for you, and I've been wanting to do an episode like this for quite a while. Like I said last week. Uh, and uh, Jim Corbett and his stories play a big role in what inspired me to even start this podcast. And I worked really hard on this episode, too. Yeah. But before we get into it, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode where we go over all about Jim Corbett. Uh, kind of like a biography all about his life. Uh, he's a fascinating guy, isn't he? Yeah. He was really fun to learn about, and I do have a little bit of a man crush on him. That's fine. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, we're obviously going to learn a little bit more about him this week as well. Go back and check out our Jim Corbett episode if you haven't yet. Uh, also, before we get started, we uh, like always, we want to thank all of our listeners. We really appreciate it. And if you like the show, you know what you can do is you can go to iTunes, give us five stars, say something you like about the show. It doesn't matter really matter what you say, but uh, it really helps us get noticed and stand out. And we we obviously love to get some feedback. Yeah. And obviously, if you do give us any kind of review on whether on iTunes or Facebook or wherever we're at. Uh, we will give you a shout out. We do have one shout out to oh, give right on. later at the end of the episode. Uh, but Dave, that's gonna be our. We're gonna have a short intro today. Okay. That's because I got I got quite the story for you and the listeners. Ooh. So this story comes one hundred percent from Jim Corbett's book. Okay. Uh, called Man Eaters of Kumeyan. So this uh, is one hundred percent in from this one source on his his account of this happening. Oh, okay. So how much of this of the book does this story entail? Um 29 pages. Okay. So only not this book is set up in several chapters. So I think I got like 8, 9 or 10 different chapters of okay. different manhunts. So we could uh, we could tell all of these stories in future episodes. Nice. But uh I had a I had a hard time deciding how I wanted to present this story. It was either like read from the book directly, uh-huh. which would have been easier, <laughs> but I decided against that. So this story is is one hundred percent from the book, but it is in my own words. Okay. And I will tell you, I wrote all of this down, and my hand is killing me. <laughs> Uh, a normal episode consists of about 20 to 25 pages in my notes. This one was 35 plus. Oh boy, wow. So I worked hard on this episode. I want everyone to know. <laughs> and like I said, the in the book it is 29 pages. So I had to condense. I condensed a lot of, of the parts and his... Partly because some of the language he uses is odd. Huh. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, British tone. Yeah, like, like kind of early 1900s British talk. So I, I just thought that me telling the story would relate better and would work better. Okay. Uh, also, this story needs to be made into a film. Because oh, yeah? this, oh, dude. So you know like when you read a book or when you're reading, you picture things. You yeah. Know, a lot of us picture things in like a movie. Yeah. Where, so this, I thought of it, and it works perfectly. Nice. I have an amazing story in my head, a, a film in my head that goes with this story. Right on. But <laughs> uh, let's continue. Well, I encourage everybody to think of it that way as well when yeah. I tell this story. Yeah. I hope you didn't picture me as one of the guys that gets eaten. No, well, you're not Indian, <laughs> so you're you're kind of out of that category. Uh-huh. I, I don't... 
I don't see you as an Indian guy. Maybe we, we could play extras in the film and be like, yeah, I'll be his, the two white his dumb guys. companion. Like, I'll do it all by myself. <laughs> there is one of those guys that's going to come up in the story. <laughs> I, I'm sad. Sadly, you will not fit the part. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> all right. So, if you remember from our last, uh, from last episode last week. The tiger we are talking about today is known for having the highest kill count of any individual animal ever in recorded history. That's why we call it the champ. The champ. And this is the champ a what tigress. Honestly, I don't know if we're saying this right. Oh. Champ a what is what I'm going with, though. Okay. <laughs> so, Dave, do you remember what her kill count was? 400 something 436 wow so many people so many so this episode is on jim corbett and his hunt for the champawat tigress so at the right now we're going to do a little bit of a uh, prologue here so if this was a film this would be like the narration of it of so it would be like a narration and then like some uh, film would be showing of what happened at this time. Okay. So, the tiger actually began her her reign of terror in Nepal around 1903. Mm. The tiger killed around 200 people while she was in Nepal. Gee. I Hunter. didn't know that population was even that high. <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty high, actually. High up. Ha! Ah! Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Good okay. One. okay. Dave had a long day at work and he might be a little, <laughs> but you know what? That was actually a decent one. I'll give you. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, hunters there were sent in to kill the tiger, but she managed to evade all of their attempts. Eventually the Nepalese army was called in. Wow. They were, they also were never able to capture or kill her, but what they did do is organize a massive beat. So beat. So the word beat will come up uh, several times, and what it means is basically a patrol. Okay, like, like a police. Like patrol. when men line up in you know like a few feet apart, and they comb through an area, and they and they make a lot of noise. Oh, okay. The reason they do this is to force the tiger out of the territory. Hmm. And this did work, as the tiger was forced to abandon her territory, which drove her further south into India. Nepal got rid of their problem, but passed it on to India. <laughs> the tiger continue, continued her killing activities in the Kumeyaan district. Hmm. Obviously, killing over 200 more people. Gee. It was then that Jim Corbett was called into action and where our story really begins. Ooh. Was that, a, that was yeah. a pretty decent program, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, at least they didn't push it down to Sri Lanka. <laughs> That's a long so ways to... 200 more. <laughs> That's a long ways to push it. <laughs> yeah. And an island. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I guess India was the last stop. Yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> the next... Uh, the. Okay, hold on. Let me get my notes correct. Okay, so now remember, this is Jim's first hunt for a man eater, right? This is his the beginning okay. of of his beginnings, you could say. And Jim, at this time, he was born in seventy five, so he was only 30, 20, 30 years oldish around here. Almost thirty, yeah. Around thirty. Years. Oh God, <coughs> he's my age. <coughs> wow, he's my age at this time. Wow. Anyway. When are you going to start hunting man-eating tigers, Matt? Shut up, dude. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it had been four years since the tiger arrived into India. Uh, since that time, she had managed to kill over 200 more in this Kumeon region. Wow. Now, let's meet with our man, Jim Corbett. Hooray! I'm Jim Corbett, mother. All right, so <laughs> Corbett, he went back to his uh, 
his native home of Nainatal, when he gets a visit from the deputy commissioner of Nainatal. The commissioner told Jim all about the tiger and the issues the tiger was causing. After some talk, Jim accepted his proposal to hunt the man-eater. Hmm. But Jim had two conditions that must be made. And we mentioned this last week in his episode. Of the two conditions, Jim said that the government rewards be canceled. For Jim did not want to be labeled as a bounty hunter. Remember that? Yeah. Second, Jim says all other hunters be withdrawn. This is because he didn't want anyone to interfere, and obviously he doesn't want to be accidentally shot. Hmm. Makes sense. These conditions were agreed to. He was uh, then sent off. Uh, He was going to be sent off the next time news broke of another human kill. And only a week later, he received news. That a woman had been killed by the man-eater in the village named Polly. It's mm. the village is P A L I. So Polly, yes, Polly, either one of those two. Uh, Jim, along with a few colleagues, well, mostly people who carry his stuff, <laughs> they arrived to the village five days after the woman had been killed. When he arrived, the people of this village. This village is a small village of only about 50 people. That were, and the, all of these people were in a state of terror. Not bad. The sun was still up when Jim arrived, but he found the whole village was inside their home, still frightened by the tiger. It wasn't until Jim and his companions built a fire, and Jim was sitting down to a cup of tea... Uh, he may be from India, but you know what? He's still damn British, and he <laughs> loves his tea. Uh, but that was when people finally began to come out of their houses. They've been lo- basically locked up for five days, locked wow. themselves up. And so the situation and the conditions of the village were in bad shape. Jim says uh, that food was running short and that people would starve if the tiger was not killed or driven away soon. Wow. But for the last three nights, the tiger had been heard roaring only a hundred yards from the village. And that very day, the tiger had been spotted near the lower end, lower end of the village. So, it makes sense that they were staying indoors and they were scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does sound like it was ready to hunt some more. Yeah. So <clears throat> this same night, Jim opted to sleep outside, which is something he is very good at. He's very comfortable sleeping outside. But Jim says, and I quote, I had spent many nights in the jungle looking for game. But this was the first time I had spent a night looking for a man-eater. Mm. Pretty, yeah, pretty good, huh? Yeah. So Jim spends this first night outside, but nothing happens this first night. Jim uh, neither saw or heard the tiger. Mm. He goes back to the village, who were actually surprised he survived the night. <laughs> he then asked them to take him to the places where... Uh, other villagers had been taken, but they were kind of unwilling to do so and just pointed to where the, the mm. attacks happened. And uh, they pointed to the last attack that happened, the one that brought him here. So, Dave, do you want to know the details of this tiger attack? Yeah. So... 20 or so of the village women were out collecting oak leaves from the from their or for their cattle. They were about half a mile outside their village around midday. So during the daytime, uh, these women spread out and would climb these trees to collect the leaves, okay? Hmm. One woman, the victim, cut all of the leaves from a tree and while she was climbing down, the unseen tiger attacked. Wow. It stood up on its hind legs and caught the woman by the foot. The tiger 
made her fall from the tree and pulled her into a ravine. Oh my goodness. There's going to be a lot of oh my goodnesses coming up. Uh, The tiger released her foot, and while the woman struggled to get up, the tiger caught her by the throat. Oh, wow. After killing the woman, the tiger sprang up the side of the ravine and then disappeared with her into the heavy jungle. So the tiger had the woman in its mouth. Oh, my goodness. Now, all of this had taken place only a few feet away from two other women. Wow. And almost the entire party of women, of 20, they saw this happen. So this tiger isn't just attacking in broad daylight, but attacking and killing while other people are right next to them. Crazy, huh? Yeah. This tiger literally has no fear of humans. Wow. So the village sent out a rescue party, but no men were armed with actual weapons. Only things that could make noise. Uh, They went in search for the woman, but after a loud roar by the tiger, they quickly retreated, uh, so they weren't the next victim. Gee. So now let's go back to Jim Corbett. All right. The next morning, the headman of the village asked Jim to keep guard so the people could uh, cut their wheat crop. Since nobody was working at the time, they need to catch up on some things. And they asked him to guard them. They felt more comfortable. He said the people would not take to the fields unless Jim was there keeping watch. Mm. So Jim has to do this kind of stuff to kind of gain the trust of the village. Okay. And quickly the village took to him and conditions had improved. But he still hadn't gotten them to show him around their jungles, which was important for his investigation. Jim then decided it would be a good idea for him to go on a hunt for a goral, which is a mountain goat. Oh, okay. And I condensed a lot here. This is a good portion of this. It didn't didn't matter in the story. Oh, okay. Anyway, he did shoot a goral, and this hunt was a success in more ways than one as it provided meat for the village, and it also gained the confidence of the village. Okay. Uh, apparently, Jim actually made an incredible shot at the goral, and the uh, villagers that saw it told everyone else and that he had magic bullets and he would be able to bring down any animal. <laughs> nice. That's, that's kind of how villages like that work. The villagers were now eager to help Jim. Uh, the headman now asked where he wanted to go and how many men he wanted. So he's earned their trust okay. at this point. Jim selected a few men and told them to take him to where the last attack happened. Now, something to know is that these people are Hindus, okay? And really believe in the cremating their dead. Okay. So when a person is killed, it is important that they, their relatives recover at least some portion of their bodies, even if it's just a bone or anything. Oh, okay. Uh, the relatives requested that Jim bring back any portion of the body that he, they might find. Okay. Imagine being asked that. Yeah. Also, of at this point, nobody n- knew whether the tiger was a young, old, male, female, or anything like that. Okay. Jim was taken to the place of the attack. Jim did some detective work and found paw prints that he believed were from a female tiger, a little past her prime. Hmm, It's amazing that he could, but this is, you know, this is Jim Corbett. He can do anything and he he can tell what kind of paw prints there are on the ground, I guess. Hmm. (laughs) But uh, now... How you could tell that, yeah, how you could tell that is beyond me, but, you know, Jim is a master hunter. Jim followed the crime scene and found a trail of dried blood. He followed this trail, and in the bushes, he found where the tiger had eaten her kill. Oh, wow. It is a popular belief that man-eaters do not eat the head, hands, or feet of its victims. Hmm. This is incorrect. <laughs> if not uh, disturbed, man eaters will eat everything, even including blood soaked clothes. Gee. That's something he said in the book, obviously. 
in this case, Jim only found some of the woman's clothes and a few pieces of bone that remained at the kill site. Mm. While very little bone was left, it would suffice in the cremation ceremony. Okay. Um, so a little bit later, Jim was taken to the scene where another tragedy took place about a year before. Wow. So, Dave, you want to hear another tiger attack yeah, story? let's hear it. So two girls, only aged four and six, and they are oh, sisters. Maybe I don't want to hear this one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be... Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> They were out cutting grass one day on the hill above their hut when the tigress appeared and carried off the six-year-old. Oh. The younger sister, like I said, only four, ran after the tiger, telling the tiger to let her sister go. Oh. You know, it was very brave of her. Uh, And a lot of the villagers witnessed this happening and saw her running after her. But after carrying the girl for... Uh, around 100 yards, the tiger put her down and turned on the girl chasing her. Oh. With a loud roar, it sprang at the younger girl. The girl was actually able to make it. She made it to the village and avoided an attack. Wow. A rescue party went out but was unsuccessful. After this, the little girl lost her ability to speak. Oh. Like, I got, guys, I am not making any of this up. This is straight from his book. It's like, it sounds like it could be in a film, you know? Yeah. And this tiger's messed up if it's going after kids. This tiger, it's going after anybody and everything. Jeez. She can. But yeah, so the tiger, this tiger tech made this girl go mute. Oh. Uh, Now, this was a story told to Jim, but he did meet the girl when she was in town, and the story remained true. She hasn't spoken for 12 months. Wow. He even uh, went up to her and told her that he was here to shoot the tiger that took his sister. The little girl barely reacted and just uh, put her hands together. So she barely Hmm. reacted to it. Huh. She's going to come up later. Oh, yeah? a little spoiler alert there. Oh. Anyway, Jim at this point... uh, Doubted himself a bit, and like I said, this was his first man-eater, so this is mm. his first first time doing this. He spent the next three days and nights wandering through the jungle, visiting all the places for miles around where villagers told that were told him that there was a chance of finding the tiger. After this, though, Jim decided the tiger had moved on it and now appeared to have left this area. Hmm. He decides to move out of Polly and head 15 miles due east to Champawat. Oh. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Now begins the it's, real hunt. It's a, yeah, basically now, now begins the real hunt. It's about a day's hike to Champawat, and after leaving, he hears of another story that took place along the roads he was traveling on. Only two months earlier. You want to hear another story? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, A party of about 20 men were heading to Champawat, and while they were traveling around midday, these men were startled by hearing agonized cries from a person coming from a valley below. And Jim himself calls this a very pitiful story. Hmm. The men uh, huddled together on the edge of the road, cowering in fright as the cries grew nearer and nearer. Then the tiger came into view of them, carrying a naked woman. Oh. The woman's hair was trailing on the ground on one side of the tiger and her feet on the other. So picture that. Uh, (laughs) The tiger was holding her by the small of the back. The woman was still alive and calling Gee. out for God or someone to save her. Gee. The tiger was about 50 yards from the men when the tiger took off as the cries and screams faded into the distance. Oh, wow. Jim also 
Jim or excuse me, Jim asks the man who is telling him the story that, and you, 20 men, did nothing? The man replies, no, we did nothing for we were afraid. And what can men do when they are afraid? And even if we had been able to rescue the woman without angering the tiger and bringing misfortune on ourselves, it would have availed the woman nothing, for she was covered with blood and would have surely died of her wounds. Gee. So this woman was from a village near Champawat and had been carried off by the tiger while collecting sticks. The alarm was raised and men from the village and including the 20 men uh, from the road joined to try and find the woman. There were around 50 or 60 men strong. They eventually found the woman's torn clothes and then they started a beat. And some even had some guns and they traveled about a mile where they found the woman. Now this woman was only around 18 And they found her laying dead on the rocks. And there was no blood on her, as the tiger had already licked it off. Gee. Uh, But they had to abandon... But the tiger had to abandon the kill due to the men approaching. Hmm. Uh, The men uh, covered the woman up and took her back to the village. Jim writes, and I quote, I was... Young and experienced in those far-off Champawat days, but even so, the conviction I came to after a brief story in that stricken land, there is nothing more terrible than to live and have one's being under the shadow of a man-eater. So let's pause for a moment here. Uh, Dave, this has been some intense, uh, scary stuff so far, right? Like we haven't had a story quite like this before. No. But Jim really feels sympathetic to these village people. I mean, can you imagine being in their shoes and never knowing who will be the next victim? You know, like, you yeah. can't even go out and walk along the roads right now. Yeah. Gee, I, I even wonder what they had for weapons back then, you know? I mean, they had guns, but... They did have guns there? Yeah, oh, yeah, they oh, had guns. Okay. This is 1906-ish. So 1907, I believe. Okay, but these are small villages, aren't they? Yeah. So Jim sometimes was the only person with a gun. Mm. We're, you'll find out a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, I mean, I absolutely love tigers. They are fascinating, but they can also be really scary monsters. <laughs> Have you seen their teeth? They're like, huge. huge, and they look like daggers. But at this point, I want to say that a female Bengal tiger like this one was likely around 250-300 pounds. Gee. While males get bigger, and they can get much bigger, like four to 500 pounds. Wow. Uh, three, uh, around 250-hundred pound wild animal is still... That's More still, than me. <laughs> yeah. That's still pretty big. And... Um, yeah, like I said, the males get bigger, and then after you got to take remember and to include that there's she's already killed four hundred people at this point. Gee, four hundred, yeah, four hundred and thirty something at this point. And I'd put my money on a two hundred fifty pound tiger over a five hundred pound man any day, right? Five hundred pound man. Yeah, like Andre the Giant or like oh. Big Show. I'd put the tiger. Tiger's gonna win. Uh, yeah, most likely. Tiger's gonna win, Dave. It's got claws and daggers as weapons. But if you could drop your weight on top of its back, I'm just still hold going, it there, Dave. I'm going with the tiger. <laughs> big Show cannot knock him out. I'm sorry. Hey, you can't knock the Big Show. He <laughs> could do it. All right. Anyway, enough uh, wrestling references for now. Uh, back to the story. So Jim spends a few days in Champawat, and during the third day, he sees a man running into town, like a, mess- a messenger man. He goes to- he goes towards this messenger, and he t- the messenger tells Jim that the man-eater just killed another girl. Hmm. Jim goes to his bungalow and grabs his rifle, along with a couple bullets, and heads to the nearby village. When arriving, the whole village was waiting. One man told Jim what had happened. 
Now, this is the first time that Jim is on the scene of a kill from the man-eater, okay? Okay. The man tells Jim that a dozen people were collecting sticks under trees when the tiger grabbed a girl who was around 16 years old. Gee. Jim goes to the scene, telling the village people to stay in the village. He arrives to where the girl was killed and finds pools of blood. Jim is able to track the tiger, and about a half mile up a hill, he finds some of the girl's clothing. Hmm. Uh, he continues going further up, where he finds even more clothing. Once again, the tiger is carrying a naked woman, a dead naked woman. Gee. Jim continues following the trail, finding the girl's hair caught in thorn brushes. Gee. He then hears footsteps behind him. Oh. And it is another man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a man armed with a rifle, and Jim asks why he is here. The man says that the Tazladar told him to, to come. Now, the Tazladar is like the town leader of Champawat. Oh, okay. okay. I'll be saying that name often, the Tazladar, so it's just the leader of the uh, the town. Okay. Uh, Jim wanted to tell him to go back, but knew it wouldn't work. So he tells the man to take his heavy boots off and keep a sharp lookout behind. Hmm. They continue the trail in very thick jungle. The man tells Jim a dozen different times that he thinks he hears the tiger and stops any progression. Hmm. Jim then tells the man to climb up a rock and wait for him there. The, van the man very gladly accepts and goes up. <laughs> so Jim likes to hunt alone, particularly for reasons like this. Like this man is holding him up. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, but Jim continued, and he reached a small pool of water, and as he approached, he saw patches of blood near the water. Mm. The tigress had carried the girl down on this spot, and Jim's approach had disturbed her meal. Oh. Jim notices splinters of bone were scattered around. Then he notices something he couldn't make out. He gets, he gets closer and discovers it's part of a human leg. Oh, wow. Uh, Jim notes in his book that after all his years of hunting man-eaters, he has not seen anything quite like the lady's leg bitten off, a little below the knee, as, as if it were, and it was clean, as if it were severed by an axe. Gee. And Jim says while looking at the leg, he had forgotten all about the tiger. Until he got the feeling he was suddenly in danger. Oh. He rapidly puts his gun up to his shoulder and with his finger to the trigger. Now he sees some dirt fall from a steep bank only 15 feet from him. Oh, wow. So the tiger is just right around there, right above him, kind of. Luckily for Jim, the tiger did not attack. And... He Jim hops up the bank, still in pursuit of the tiger, knowing she could be around any corner waiting for him. Gee. But the terrain he he was following the tiger on was uh, harsh and rocky. Several times Jim found where the tiger had rested and consumed more of the girl. Gee. Now this kill, this exact kill, is the tiger's 436th kill. Oh. Which makes it her last. Mm-hmm. So, the tiger was accustomed to being disturbed at her meals by rescue parties, but this was the first time she had been followed up so persistently. The tiger would normally growl and roar when she was being pursued, and that would normally scare everyone away. But not Jim. Hmm. Jim says, and I quote, the sound of the growling and the expectation of an attack terrified me. At the same time, it gave me hope. If the tigress, if the tigress lost her temper sufficiently to launch an attack, it would not only give me an opportunity of accomplishing the object for which I had come, but it would enable me to give, to get even 
with her for all the pain and suffering she had caused. Gee. Kind of, yeah. This guy's got some strong words. He really does. He's, I, like, I like Jim. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jim had been tracking the tiger for over four hours at this point. Knowing she is close, but never actually seeing a hair on her hide. Gee. So Jim retraces his steps and begins heading back. On his way back, he finds the severed leg again. Knowing the family would need it for a cremation, he buries the leg so it could be found again later. I guess he didn't really feel like carrying a severed leg back into town. But they do eventually recover the leg. Okay. Anyway, uh, Jim, still on his way back, finds his companion, you know, the man he left on the rocks. Oh, okay. The man was very relieved to see Jim as he thought the tiger got him. (laughs) They arrive back to the village and Jim begins planning for what to do the next day. He believed the tiger would finish eating her meal the next day and on the next day uh, uh, hang out around the rocks. And due to the terrain, he knew he wouldn't be able to stalk her. Therefore, a beat was the only thing to do if he could get enough men. Hmm. So I told you what a beat was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim met with the Tazladar in the village and told him of his plan. The Tazladar said he would bring all the men he could gather, and they agreed to meet where the girl had been killed uh, at 10 o'clock the next morning. Jim woke with a crack of the dawn, and after a substantial meal, went to the meeting site. At 10 o'clock, the Tazladar arrived with a man. Shortly after, more men began trickling in. Then more and more. In total, 298 men arrived. Wow. So that kind of tells you the feelings of all these villagers. Like, they want this tiger dead. Like, 100%. It is causing them a lot of problems, killing family members and village people. So they really want to help out. The Tazladar also let it be known that he would turn a blind eye to any men with unlicensed firearms. (laughs) <laughs> and also he would even provide ammunition for anyone that would require it. So that tells you, right? Like, yeah. This is a serious thing. Wow. So they went a little further into the jungle where Jim gave all the men orders on what to do. Okay. He told them to line up along the ridge. And when they saw, they saw him wave, when they saw Jim wave a handkerchief Then they were to begin making the noise, shooting their guns, and beat the drums and shout. That's basically what a beat is. Okay. And also that no one was to leave the ridge until Jim returned. Jim, along with the Tazladar, who said he felt safer being with Jim than the 298 men. (laughs) uh, Jim, so Jim wanted to be around 200 yards in front of the men. Okay. Before they started. But uh, the anxious men began the beat without uh, Jim giving the signal. So Jim had to cover the distance very quickly to get to his desired position. Okay. You can't stop near 300 people. Yeah. You know. Jim says, and I quote, Covering the distance was due to my having me brought up on the hills and being as sure-footed as a goat. Oh, okay. (laughs) I like that quote. That's why I put it in. But uh, Jim continued as pandemonium had broken loose at the ridge. As the 298 men make a noise, Jim finally catches a glimpse of the tiger. Ooh. Going down a grassy slope about 300 yards away-ish. The Tazladar who was traveling with him for some reason shot at the tiger twice. This made the tiger whip around and head for cover. As the tiger was disappearing into the thick cover, Jim threw up his rifle and sent a despairing bullet after her. Mm. Now, the men on the ridge just heard the shots and concluded that the tiger had been killed. (laughs) They started celebrating. 
Bit of an early celebration. <laughs> but Jim, knowing the tiger isn't dead, continues to where he, he last saw her. Not thinking his shot connected, he now spots the tiger again, only at around 30 yards. Ooh. That's, that's pretty close. Yeah. He realizes his first shot actually did connect. Ooh. But uh, not in a vital spot. Oh, where did he hit? A little further back, so near the hind legs. Okay. Somewhere around there. Okay. In the midsection. The tiger knows Jim is there. She turns around facing him. Jim now has a good look and a good shot. He fires another bullet hitting her. The tiger flinches, but still stands her ground for a little bit. Wow. Jim is actually now in a very bad position because he doesn't have any more bullets on him. Are you serious? Yeah. What was he what was he using? Um I'm not I'm not exactly sure. A oh. rifle I mean, this is 1907, so a lot of them were single-shot rifles, especially hunting ones. Gee. So he had to put a new bullet in each time. Anyway, um, so he's in a bad position. Uh, luckily for him, the tiger doesn't charge, and they have a stare-down, but the tiger doesn't charge. And she slowly turned and went the opposite direction. Mm. So... Throwing caution to the wind, Jim shouted to the Tazladar to bring him his gun. Jim then started running. He he uh, the Tazladar never heard really heard Jim, so Jim starts running and just grabs the gun out of the Tazladar's hands <laughs> and raced back towards the tiger. The tiger now is obviously very wounded and didn't get too far. Jim found her and got up to 20 feet. 20 Gee. feet away. Now the gun, the Tazadar's gun he's using, is not lined up correctly. Oh. The sights aren't really set, and it's not in very good condition. But Jim is once again staring at the tiger in full view. He lifts up the gun and fires. Now maybe he bobbed or the gun's sights were off, but... The bullet missed the tiger's main body and strikes strikes her in the right paw. Ooh, okay. Now, fortunately, the tiger was already on her last breath from the previous shots. Oh, okay. The tigress, the mighty tigress that killed 436 people, slowly slumped over and died. Wow. Now, our story is not quite done yet, though. Uh, the men approach the tiger and are excited. Uh, they're excited and enraged at the same time at seeing the tiger, you know, which is understandable. Yeah. For not a man among them had not suffered at her hands. Gee. One man was shouting, this is the devil. This is the devil that killed my wife and my two sons. Gee. That's, he sounded like he lost a lot Holy there. Holy moly. Others were saying, hack the beast to bits. Wow. So well, that shows you how much they wanted this thing dead and how fearful they were of it. But as, as happens with most crowds, the excitement will eventually dies down and the people regained their cool, okay? Okay. Jim notices that something is wrong with the tiger's mouth. Hmm. And on examining her, he finds that the upper and lower canine teeth on the right side were broken. Huh. The upper one was broken in half, and the lower one down to the bone. Gee. The permanent injury of her teeth had prevented her from killing her natural prey hmm. and was the cause of her becoming a man-eater. Huh. Remember, that's something we covered last, yeah. last episode of talking about man-eaters. It's most, almost always because of injury. Oh, okay. Now, Jim and the villagers took the tiger back as they knew it would be important to show everyone else in the town so they would believe that the man-eater was dead. Oh, and on their way back, uh, some of the men found the head of the girl that was killed. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, gee. 
That night, Jim skinned the tiger. When he finished, he was approached by the Tazladar, along with other leaders of surrounding villages. And they graciously thanked Jim and told him that tomorrow there would be a big celebration. Mm. Um, that same night, around midnight, when most people had left and they were excited about feeling safe and finally able to use roads that they were scared to use before because of mm. the man-eater, Jim had a smoke with the Tazladar and telling him that he could not stay any longer and he would not be able to contribute to the festivities. Oh. That's kind of, Jim's kind of like that. Like he mm. doesn't want to celebrate the the him killing something in a yeah. lot of ways. He's kind of a sensitive guy. Yeah. From from what I've been reading about him. Anyway, at sunrise, Jim left with the tiger pelt strapped to his horse. Kind of like in Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> Think of it like that. Yeah. I just finished it. Dave hasn't yet. But no, okay. I haven't yet. All right. That pelt must be in poor condition because it had three bullets in it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Okay. Enough Red Dead for now. But on his way, he on his way back, he went through the town, back to the town of Pali. Oh, okay. He remembered the little girl who could no longer speak. Hmm. He thought he could possibly bring the girl some satisfaction to know his sister to know that her sister had been avenged. He finds the girl and shows her the pelt and tells her that the the tiger has been killed. Now, remember this girl has been mute for around a year. And just a few days before, this girl made no attempt to answer any of Jim's questions. She is now running backwards and forwards from hut to hut calling everyone to come look at what Jim did. Wow. So her speech has returned. Well, that's, that's good. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That sounds straight from a film. Yeah. And that is where we end our story of Jim Corbett and the Champawat Tigress. Gee. And he caught it even without Calvin Klein obsession. <laughs> You're, you were very right. He didn't even <laughs> need that. Jim doesn't need that stuff, man. But yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Interesting way to end it. I think yeah. I figured that would be a great ending for the film for like a Jim Corbett yeah. film, like and have the girl she speaks yeah. and happy ending as the camera pans out from her going exactly. Hut to hut. Yeah, but then the, the, the epic music starts. I, I know be a, be, <laughs> it would be a terrific uh, film. I think. Yeah. But did you enjoy that story? Dave? Yeah, that was really good. Was that pretty good? Yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed it and enjoyed putting it together. And I hope everyone else enjoyed it too. Uh, I have several more stories like this that we can cover too. So if this episode gets over enough and people like it, we will return to our man, Jim Corbett, and more of his man-eater adventures. Sounds good. Yes. So... Uh, we're not exactly sure what we're going to do. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to cover next week. Oh, yeah? But I seem to be leaning towards kangaroos. Seems more good. Let's uh, do it. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I'm leaning towards kangaroos, but I don't think we haven't had a proper Australian episode yet. So we're. I feel like we're going to do that. Let's do it. Either a kangaroo or dingo. <laughs> Probably a kangaroo. Let's do kangaroo. <laughs> but... Uh, if people like the show, what can they do, Dave? They can like us, rate us, review us at iTunes, Facebook, anywhere. Very good. Uh, give us five stars. Say something nice. Say something you like uh, about the show. We, we really enjoy hearing feedback. And uh, if you leave a review, we will give you a shout-out. And Dave, we have one shout-out to give this Ooh, week. all right. So thank you, Danielle Struz. Wait, and her husband. Again. Let me see. I, you want to see it? Yes. To give it a proper so one. Read all that. Okay. Danielle Strauss and husband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they said that they were hooked and uh, we made their four hour trip from Idaho to Utah go a lot faster. Hey, right So on. We, are, we are totally glad that we helped make that, that boring ass drive. 
a little bit better for you. Yeah. We've been on that drive many times, and yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, we were looking into getting a Patreon account, but we... Um, so, I'm looking into that. So, that will hopefully be up soon. But right now, we do have a PayPal and are accepting any donations <laughs> to help our cause here. <laughs> like, I work hard in putting these together, and uh, my hand is... Cram- is cramping up from the last day of writing all of this handwritten stuff. So I'm just just trying to put over how uh, that I work hard. Yeah. And uh, but if you could throw us, you know, maybe a buck or two the to help us out, golly, it would be it would be more than appreciated, one and Dave. Yeah. Uh, if you feel the urge to be a wonderful person and do that, you can find us on our email, which is forceofnaturepod at gmail.com. Or if you're on PayPal, you can just search uh, Force of Nature and we should uh, be up there. Or you could even use Venmo to my personal account at Matthew-Hamilton-51. I guess that was the 51st Matthew Hamilton to be on Venmo. I don't know. (laughs) But I will put this all down in the description below. Also, remember, if you or or someone you know has a cool animal-related story you'd like to share, or maybe you came across a cool animal article yourself and feel the need to send it to us, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at forceofnaturepod at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram... Uh, Dave, no, you know I had phone issues this week, and so yeah. I haven't been able to do Instagram. Okay. Speaking of, I'm going to need you to fix my phone after this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can follow us on Facebook and give us a review there or iTunes, anywhere. Make a donation. It would be it would be so awesome. But And we're also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the ones we need to be on. Also, remember to check out our good buddy Breck Snyder's podcast, The Sports Project podcast you can find it on all the same platforms uh dave do you have anything to add any questions about anything no. I, feel like we, I feel like we hit jim corbett pretty good yeah and for the next movie the sequel jim corbett will come up again I, I assure you that so he will be covered i really enjoy doing this man eater stuff it won't be the last time that this comes up okay This is the Force of Nature podcast. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Please tell your friends. That's the best way to do things. Be a part of building us up, and we will see you next week. Bye.